Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome to Energex Renewable Energy's 2021 first quarter results conference call and webcast. At this time, all participants on the phone and internet are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session for analysis and institutional investors, and instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, Please press star followed by the zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded. I will now turn the conference over to Karine Vachon, Senior Director of Communications. Please go ahead. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'd like to specify that this conference will be held in English. Members of the media are invited to ask their questions by phone after this call. A presentation supporting today's discussion is available as we speak on the homepage of our website at www.energex.com. This call contains forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. Although the corporation believes that the expectations and assumptions on which forward-looking statements are based are reasonable under the current circumstances, listeners are cautioned not to rely unduly on these forward-looking statements as no assurance can be given that it will prove to be correct. Forward-looking information contained herein is made as at the date of this call, and the corporation does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking information, whether as a result of events or circumstances occurring after the date hereof, unless so required by law. During this call, we will refer to financial measures that are not recognized according to international financial reporting standards. Please refer to the non-EFRS measures sections of the MDNE for more information. Our speakers today will be Mr. Jean-François Chief Financial Officer, who will present the Q1 results, and Mr. Michel Etelier, President and Chief Executive Officer, who will review our operational highlights. And I'll turn the conference over to Mr. No. Thank you, Karine. Good morning, everyone. Before we start, I would like to inform you that we have prepared a supplement of information to the first quarter report that explains in detail how the February 2021 Texas events have impacted our results. I recommend that you read that section to have a complete overview of the situation, since today I will present a summary. However, the supplement provides a broader set of normalized table and information on the recent proceedings. As you can see on page seven, we have four operating facilities in Texas, three of which with power edges. However, all of them, to a different extent, have recorded extraordinary nodal revenues derived from higher price caused by the unprecedented weather conditions, with 17 million for Ford City, 38 million for Phoebe, 15 million for Flaptop and 65 million for Shannon. 
But as we said many times before, the power edges contain virtual hourly energy obligations, which add a negative impact of $71 million for Phoebe, $114 million for Flaptop, and $93 million for Shannon. As a result, and as previously estimated in our press release in February, the net financial impact on a consolidated basis reached precisely $81.2 million. On the next page, we normalized our first quarter results to exclude the Texas impact on our revenues, adjusted EBITDA, and our loss before income tax. As you can see, Fort City and Phoebe extraordinary revenues are deducted from the revenues and adjusted EBITDA to arrive to anomalized figures of $135 million and $88 million, respectively. As for the negative impact of the power and business edge of Phoebe, it has been deducted from the change in fair value of financial instruments, whereas the net negative impact of the Texas storm on the two joint ventures, Shannon and Flaptop, have been excluded from the share of loss of joint ventures. Here, the normalized loss from joint ventures remain high at 144 million due to energetic share of the impairment charges at the project level for Shannon and Flattop. In fact, as shown on page nine, following the storm, we have seen higher risk premium on Texas investments which has caused the discount rate to increase substantially from December 2020. Therefore, the recalculation of value in use of these assets at the project level became lower than their respective carrying value on the balance sheet. Consequently, Energex recognized in the first quarter its share of these impairment charges as part of the share of loss of joint ventures. This share of impairment charges was capped to the maximum amount equal to our investment value of those assets on our consolidated balance sheet. Consequently, the investment value at the end of March 31, 2021 for both assets is zero. Also, in regard to the cash settlements, it is worth mentioning that as of March 31, 2021, the 4th CD $17 million gain recognized during the storm and recorded as accounts receivable as at the end of February was subsequently paid in March. However, the liabilities for Phoebe were not settled and are still part of the consolidated balance sheet as accounts payable. As for Shannon and Flaptop, the liabilities were not settled and remain at the project level balance sheet, which, given it is accounted for as equity pickup method, consequently are not included in Energex consolidated accounts payable. Now, let me comment on recent procedures with regards to Shannon and Flattop. As implied in the press release dated February 17, Shannon and Flaptop have filed 
for force majeure. In order to protect our right until the hearing on force majeure take place, we have filed a temporary injunction to prevent Flaptop and Shannon's edge provider to exercise its remedies on the projects. The hearing has happened on May 6, and the decision should be rendered at the latest by May 20. Now, looking ahead, the worst case scenario following these procedures would be the foreclosure of the projects. Should this worst case scenario happen, the recurring negative impact to the free cash flow would be at approximately $4.2 million per year until the flip point. This scenario would also mean an avoided cash outflow of $76 million. In other words, under this worst case scenario, the avoided cash outflow when compared to the minor recurring loss on free cash flow make this potential foreclosure outcome a more profitable scenario for our shareholders given the other investment opportunities the corporation is evaluating on a recurring basis. Now, to be able to compare the result of this quarter with the same period last year, we have normalized the results to remove the impact from the Texas event. Therefore, the result that I will cover today will be on a normalized basis. On page 11, for the quarter ended March 31, 2021, on a normalized basis, production and revenues were up 6 and 2% respectively compared to the same period last year. Adjusted EBITDA was down by 3%. This decrease was mainly attributable to a lower contribution from wind facilities in France and hydroelectric facilities in BC, both due to lower revenues and by higher prospective expense over lower general admin expenses. Adjusted EBITDA proportionate was down by 2%. On page 12, for the three-month period ended March, hydroelectric power generation segment generated $14.5 million in adjusted EBITDA representing a 12% decrease compared to the same period last year, mainly due to lower revenue derived from almost exclusively from the lower production at the facilities in British Columbia. This decrease was partly offset by higher venue from higher production over higher operational expense at the Quebec facilities. Wind power generation segment generated $82.8 million in normalized adjusted EBITDA, representing a 2% increase compared to the same period last year. This increase was mainly attributable to the Montaner acquisition in 2020 and to a higher contribution from the Fort City facility due to a combined effect of higher revenues and lower OPEX. These items were partly offset by a lower contribution from the wind facility in France due to lower wind regime. Solar power generation segment generated $5.9 million in normalized adjusted EBITDA, representing a 4% increase compared to the same period last year. This increase was mainly explained by the contribution of the Salvador acquisition in 2020, 
partly offset by lower contribution from the Phoebe solar facility attributable to a net unfavorable impact of lower revenues due to lower selling price. On page 30, for the quarter ended March 31st, the joint ventures and associates contributed $8 million to the normalized adjusted EBITDA proportionate compared with a contribution of $7.5 million in the same quarter last year. This increase was mainly due to a higher contribution from the Chile facilities from a combined favorable impact of lower operating expense over lower revenue, despite higher production. This increase is also explained by a higher contribution from facilities in BC from lower operational expenses. A higher contribution from the Shannon and Flattop facility, mostly due to higher average selling prices, and a higher contribution of the Vigée de Nonville wind facility in Quebec also contributed to this increase. In addition, the proportional production tax credit decreased from $18.1 million to $17.4 million, was due to lower production tax credit earned from the lower production at Shannon and Flattop facilities. Overall, normalized adjusted EBITDA proportionate decreased by 2% compared to the same period last year. Continuing on page 14, the increase in long-term debt is related largely to the draws made to the draws uh, made toward the construction of the Griffin Trail project. In addition, the corporate revolving credit facility was used for reimbursing the outstanding balance of the Altera term loan on January 11, 2021. On page 15, changes in the total assets stem mainly from the reduction in value of our investment in joint ventures and associates, as mentioned before. The change in shareholder equity is explained to the dividend declared on common and preferred share totaling $32.9 million and the total comprehensive loss of $172.5 million. As shown on the next page, the normalized free cash flow has decreased by $2 million on a trading 12-month basis. The unfavorable variance in free cash flow was mainly due to an increase in principal payments stemming from the Phoebe and Fort City Commission in late 2019 and from the Montaner acquisition from mid-2020, the BC Hydro imposed curtailment in mid-2020, and the recovery of maintenance capex expenditures from the sale of HS of cost. These items were partly upset by the contribution from the Phoebe and Fort City facility and from the Salvador and Montaner acquisition, and also a decrease in interest payment on the corporate revolving credit facility concurrent with the Hydro-Quebec private placement. For the trading 12-month ended March 31st, the normalized payout ratio amounted to 140% of free cash flow compared with 113% for the corresponding period last year. Now, before I conclude, the guidance provided in February 2021 remain relevant when compared with the normalized 2021 financial performance. At the moment, 
Despite a lower Q1 generation, we are not revising the guidance since it is still possible to reach these projections on a normalized basis before the end of Q4. In the event that the worst-case scenario materializes, we will then revise our guidance at the time. On that note, I will give the floor to Michel for the operational review of the past quarter. Thank you, Jean-Francois. This is the type of quarter that we would rather forget, but it is making us even more committed and resolved to execute on our growth strategy and to continue to diversify our portfolio. We will not forget, and we will make our best effort so that this type of crisis will not be recurring. We have moved away from these power hedges structure and have shown that we could develop projects differently with both Fort City and Griffin Trail. Both projects could benefit from future high prices in Texas. So we have lived through this Texas crisis. We have learned the hard way, but now it is time to move on. So now, so now let's focus on the bright side of the great opportunity that lies in front of us. We had had some great news in this quarter beside the crisis and the operation. So let's try to focus on this. Well, I'm glad to report that Ilcrest just as last night, reached the COD commercial uh, operation date under these uh, long-term PPA. So we were very proud and happy to report on this. A lot of people have uh, worked pretty hard on this project over the last months, and it was a, a challenging uh, uh, period with the COVID and the restriction on traveling for us to go on our site. So our dedicated team did a great job and now we can sell this uh, electricity. 200 megawatt of solar is being added uh, up to our uh, portfolio. So congrats on our team, very happy on this. Uh, the final uh, sustained, uh, not sustained, but the, the final construction uh, finalization will be probably uh, be towards the end of June. And from there, we'll be able to do the uh, tax equity uh, financial close uh, by something in the mid-July, uh, and I would conclude uh, the uh, final construction and tax equity contribution. We will be then reimbursing the uh, bridge construction to tax equity. Uh, on another good note, Eon2, our uh, 6.9 megawatt in France, has reached, uh, again, the full commissioning, so that's a, another good news on, the, uh, on that uh, quarter. And Griven Trail, as we mentioned, is now very advanced. Actually, uh, reading the report from uh, our construction crews, we should be uh, topping all the 80 megawatt uh, would be totally installed by the end of this week. And they should be starting producing power by the mid-June so that full uh, COD could be reached by uh, beginning of uh, July. You mean Just, 80 towers? Yeah, 80 towers, thank you. What did I say? Well, anyway. 80 megawatts. <laughs> no, no, no. 225 megawatts. No, no, that's true. That 220, yeah, I'm sorry, the towers. And uh, so that uh, that plant should be in uh, full uh, full operational to take advantage of the high prices in Texas in summertime. 
Uh, we have also uh, resumed the work in Inevic, uh, this uh, hydro facility in the north of Quebec. Uh, so glad to see that we this year again we can reach these uh, these construction sites uh, with special uh, health and safety uh, precaution. We have full access to the site and construction is uh, resuming uh, as um, a regular, uh, I would say, a full strength in uh, in this summer for Inevic. We still uh, forecast the COD by the end of next year. Now, on the development activities, we're seeing some uh, good uh, movement in the power prices in Chile. So we're still pre advancing our uh, development activities there. You probably have seen the copper prices going uh, through the roof, uh, which is a good thing for Peru and Chile. As you know, those uh, two countries are big producers of copper, and uh, although they have been, their economy has been hit hard by the COVID, uh, the, uh, the future looks bright for these two countries, and we're still committed to uh, develop a project in this uh, area. As we uh, go through the quarters, we're getting ready for starting construction in Hawaii. Um, we have uh, been advancing on both permitting, construction, negotiation, and uh, final engineering on four of these projects. So uh, the first uh, construction should start by the middle of uh, next fall. Very happy also uh, going through these um, engineering and uh, construction negotiation. Uh, I think we are learning a lot. Uh, as you know, storage is a big part of our future strategy, and I think that storage coupled with battery coupled with solar will play a big role in many, uh, many areas in the world to supply future electricity, and uh, Energex in the, is in the forefront of that uh, new area. We also are advancing and glad to, uh, to report that we have finally signed the agreement with the uh, uh, supply of the battery for our Tonnerre uh, project in France. Uh, we have uh, signed, uh, we are the first commercial customer of uh, Hydro-Quebec division Evlo. So pretty happy to be the first and hopefully uh, some other project will follow with them. Uh, we have uh, come together and learned a lot in our team, so that uh, this is uh, this is this is basically some investment uh, in time and resources, so that both teams can uh, work better in the future to develop even more projects. And uh, as well as you know, storage is a big part of our uh, strategy. Uh, we have been talking about hydrogen, green hydrogen. <laughs> And uh, we have hired now a uh, seasoned uh, veteran in that uh, business so that uh, we are now building our team and expertise, expertise to take advantage of future government support for green hydrogen. Now, if we are looking at our prospective project, uh, we are still focused on our strategy, which is uh, developing solar and wind in the United States. Very, uh, I would say, very encouraged by the policy that are being discussed to support future projects in the United States. ITC, PTC, and kind of a PTC also for hydrogen. 
And so more local support in the state of California and Washington are being discussed to support uh, green hydrogen in the future. So I think that the United States is showing a great leadership in order to have more and more renewable energy in their portfolio mix. Uh, we are seeing also in Europe that uh, the, those countries, France, uh, Germany, and others, are also supporting uh, future renewable energy uh, project to be uh, part of the future mix of electrification of this economy. So very happy to have built out a uh, stronger and stronger presence in France. Also have higher and uh, been able now to initiate some development in solar as well in France. So we have uh, now a team that is focusing as well on, on uh, solar in France, and we should see some benefit from these uh, uh, effort in the near future. Uh, Canada uh, is, uh, or Quebec, is now uh, being uh, studied, and uh, we had the great news uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, now we have seen that uh, the government of Quebec, uh, together with Hydro-Quebec, is going to put forward a call for um, an RFP for renewable energy, uh, anywhere between 200 and 500 megawatt in the, uh, the end of the year or beginning of uh, next year. So that's very positive for us. As you know, we, uh, we have been working in, uh, in Canada and Quebec specifically. So our team are now focusing on trying to dust up some, uh, some old project that we were working on in the past. And apparently, uh, this is the first of a few more RFP for the future. So things look even uh, better and better also in our uh, core market or own market. So basically, this is what uh, we've been doing in the last uh, quarter. And uh, since we had uh, a lot of uh, time uh, passed on, on Texas, I would open up the uh, question. But before that, I would uh, thank uh, our team, that uh, Jean-Francois team, that have worked hard lately, as you can imagine. Uh, these numbers have been uh, uh, moving around, and we have these um, court uh, representation that has completed the, the stuff. I would like also to extend my thanks to all you, uh, the analysts that uh, are going through these uh, complicated numbers. Uh, very happy to, um, to have you uh, support us, and uh, I'm opening up uh, now the, uh, the floor. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question, please press star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear our tone acknowledging your request. Your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Please ensure you lift the handset if you're using a speakerphone before pressing any keys. And your first question comes from the line of of David Quizetta with Raymond James. Please go ahead, sir. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thanks. Morning, everyone. Um, my first question here, just on the um, 
the offtake agreements for Shannon uh, and Flattop. Um, I'm just wondering if, like, w w where you're at with, I guess, potentially altering or unwinding those hedge contracts, and if you've had any conversations with the tax equity providers around potentially doing that. Well, David, uh, it's it's a little bit difficult to to um, to discuss these things right now. We're in the middle of uh, trying to solve that in court, uh, but I, I would say, David, that uh, if we're to reinvest in in those, which is I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say very likely. Uh, then we would uh, we would try to get rid of these things. But as you've seen and heard, Jean-François, I think that uh, the worst-case scenario we have uh, put it in front of you is that we would have uh, right enough uh, those uh, those investments completely. So uh, anything that would come could come out of these negotiations would be a little bit better than. <laughs> Actually, us writing uh, writing it off completely. Absolutely, fair enough. Thank you. And then, just one other question, I guess, just related to um, the U.S. market in general. I'm just curious about, um, you know, when you see uh, some pretty encouraging trends like uh, increased commercial and, and industrial demand for renewable power, the more supportive regulatory backdrop. I'm wondering if you just talk about um, what how things uh, have developed, any color you can share on your earlier stage uh, development portfolio and, and maybe whatever activities in terms of securing land that you're undertaking for the for the next, I guess, uh, phase of projects. No, that's uh, fair enough. We, we, we've talked a little bit and, and uh, the uh, one of our project, uh, uh, 200 megawatt uh, Solar development uh, in uh, Ohio have uh, been making a little bit of a press uh, lately. Uh, it's Palomino. That's a 200 megawatt uh, solar that uh, we are advancing. We're in the middle of uh, the uh, uh, permitting and, uh, oh, uh, I would say, um, public hearing. Uh, this thing is advancing very well. Also, we have also some term sheet with uh, uh, off-taker that uh, have been uh, advanced quite a bit. So this is the, probably the most advanced, but we're working towards uh, our target, which is around 600 megawatt of solar in uh, outside Texas. Uh, we uh, we have PGM, we have Pennsylvania, uh, Kentucky, and, and and like I said, uh, Ohio through. Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm forgetting my, the name, uh, uh, Palomino. I'm sorry. And then and then we also are advancing in the northwest. Working as well with wind, you, you're seeing that we have a little bit over 400 megawatt worth of uh, wind in uh, in our uh, advanced uh, uh, projects. So those are also advancing. Um, I, I would say that uh, the team is building up as well uh, in uh, in different market. We have now a new uh, a new small office in the East Coast to cover the East uh, as well. So. I think that uh, we're making good uh, stride. Um, why we'll get also a third uh, RFP and getting uh, we're getting uh, ready also to answer these uh, future RFPs. Batteries opportunity are uh, being uh, looked uh, with uh, Hydro Quebec in, in joint venture with Hydro Quebec. We're trying to find good spot to um, uh, to deploy batteries in the United States. Um, 
No, I, I mean we we're focusing a lot of our activities now in the in the states because, uh, like you're saying, there's uh, definitely a lot of support, political support, both on federal and state uh, uh, level. That's great, Miller. Thanks, Michelle. I'll uh, get back in the queue. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Rupert Mayer with National Bank. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Going back to, to Texas, have you seen any, any precedents in Texas where projects have been recapitalized or recontracted? And, and what would a scenario look like where you would consider recapitalizing your assets? Would you need just to see a change to the hedge contracts or or reduced uh, liability as well? Well, we, we, we've been trying to um, negotiate some discount on the uh, on the total liability or the invoice. So far, um, uh, the hedge provider have resisted any uh, negotiation in in in, uh, in discounting these uh, these invoices or. Of course, if if court gives us a little bit more room uh, and uh, we're in front of the of uh, of the judge, so we're waiting for uh, the result. Uh, hearing has had happened on the May six, and the judge said that he would uh, render his decision by May twenty one. So if we have a positive uh, note there, we may uh, Rupert have a little bit more leverage to negotiate something else. Uh, mind you that we have uh, both uh, in Shannon and uh, Flattop, we have uh, also partners that uh, we would have to agree uh, or not. I mean, we would have, uh, if they are not willing to put more capital, we would have to come up with some kind of a, uh, a resolution on how we would recapitalize these things. Uh, tax equity would have to uh, waive also some of their uh, economics for us to uh, to to decide to go uh, ahead. All in all, you heard also that uh, Jean-François has mentioned that uh, our perce perceived uh, discount rate for Texas has gone up, and therefore uh, we would uh, we would have to see some uh, future uh, accretive return for us to put more money in in those contracts, and certainly have. Uh, a different uh, power hedge uh, or, 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 or contra you know, configuration instead of uh, having the power hedge. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stuff to negotiate uh, before we could put uh, some money. So that's why we we wanted to give you the perspective to all the financial community that worst case walking away uh, from flat top and Shannon and we, we we've read in it off from our books. Anything else could be positive, I, I, I would guess. You know, definitely we would uh, we would uh, be very careful before putting more uh, capital. Uh, but we never know, right? I mean, if if court is giving us some uh, some uh, some win, some uh, some headroom there to negotiate with all the uh, the stakeholders, it might make sense. But uh, definitely we we want to focus on something else. We have a great. Uh, outcome we have great opportunities in our core market and it's very unfortunate what we have lived through Texas as I mentioned but uh, me have turned the page and we're for you know we we are uh, we're forward looking into these uh, great other opportunities 
but we will not forget, like I said, you know, we have learned and we're not going to put ourselves in that uh, same situation. That's, uh, that's about have, what have I there been, Have there been any court precedents yet in, in Texas that might indicate where things are headed with your projects? Well, there's still some, um, some there have been some rulings just yet, but not uh, not the full extent that uh, we would uh, we would like. We're following others, of course. Some have gone to New York, and in New York, that definitely was not very successful. So, uh, by but the fact that two judges had take uh, in consideration our uh, our representation. It's a little bit positive, but again, I don't want to give any hope to the to the market on Texas. If we if we win something, good. But but like I said, times to move on from Texas. And uh, by the way, our earring uh, is in Texas. Yes. So. And, and I think that uh, if we if we're successful there, we might have some 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 potential uh, uh, capacity. Uh, to to make it a little bit better, but you know I don't want to focus on on on, on this. Uh, my myself, I've I've moved on. Uh, very good. I'll uh, I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Sean Stute with TD Securities. Thank you. Good morning. A uh, couple of questions. Um, just. Uh, to finish off Texas, the, the, the worst case scenario you, you highlighted with the, the 4.2 million of free cash flow until the flip point, that was based on, I think, 2020 results. Do you yes. consider that representative of what those assets are capable of in a normal environment? We were under the impression it might be a little bit higher than that. Yes, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I've looked uh, backward. We never did really higher than 5 million at any year since their inception in COD. Uh, we were hoping, but those projects also were carried uh, some shape and uh, basis was higher than the original forecast. So that's uh, that's a good point. So we use 4.2 until the flip point. So obviously those projects were back-ended in terms of cash or greater cash. But you can refer to our uh, value in use that we've disclosed for the impairment uh, charges with higher uh, discount rate to have a proxy figures on the valuation we're making on those uh, projections. So that that may cover uh, a different view of the valuation if you don't like the 4.2. But so far, I mean, historically, that is the best proxy we can provide that we've achieved on those projects. Yeah, Sean, I, I think that uh, Texas has uh, has had uh, in a yeah, you know, in in the last uh, few years, some some challenging in the basis uh, uh, the, the risk between the, the the node and the hub that uh, did measure a lot did did uh, minimize the the potential revenue of uh, of these things. I would I would I think that uh, over time the transmission system that these uh, bases would have been uh, reduced over time. And uh, after flip point, as we all said, tax equity was was uh, uh, a, a structure where theoretically, after flip point, the project doesn't have that much debt, and perhaps would generate a lot more uh, uh, capital uh, cash flow. 
Um, but in the latest uh, few years, as uh, Jean-Francois said, uh, Shannon particularly has not been uh, a big producer. And Flat Up, which has uh, uh, been commissioned, had uh, a little bit of issue with uh, some uh, commissioning deficiency from uh, from Vesta, some uh, blade repairment uh, uh, were underway also, and some uh, Upgrades on those plates were supposed to be uh, to be done and actually are being done by Vistas as we speak. So I mean we're we're sad to to potentially let let these assets go, um, but um, you know the type of uh, of commitment or financial commitment that we uh, we have to uh, to look considering the relatively uh, poor performance of the last uh, few years of these assets are not. Uh, Putting, uh, a, I would say that it is not necessarily uh, a very um, uh, appealing uh, financial proposal as we speak. And uh, of course, we would have to uh, do something with the uh, existing power hedge, which might also include some uh, some more uh, capital to be uh, uh, to be put into those projects. So, and 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 also, Sean, you. Should remember those uh, projects are a fixed return type of tax equity investment with uh, movable flip dates. And as we disclose in Q4, those uh, flip date for Shannon and Flattop uh, on the back of the recent year's performance were under uh, reassessment. So uh, the, the flip date all, always move until a certain fixed return. So just to 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 make it to make it uh, clear. Lots of moving pieces. Thanks for that. Um, second question is: Is there any update on the the timeline for the arbitration process with BC Hydro on on last year's curtailments? Yeah, we're scheduled to to be uh, early September, John. Okay. Okay, uh, that's all I have for now. Thanks very much. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Nelson Nick. Nidge with RBC Capital Markets. Great, thanks. Um, so just to follow up on all the Texas questions, um, I, I didn't really understand um, the impact on Shannon. So you've written it down to, to zero, but like the net impact for Shannon was about 14 million, right? Like if you take your share and if you net out the revenues and the power hedges. So should we be thinking that um, the net impact on Shannon's 14 million, but if you discount the cash flows, it uh, but, like the net amount is zero. Like how? Like am I thinking okay, about so, it the right way? So okay. So just for clarification, so those uh, I'm hearing some noise. I don't know if you can uh, mute. Anybody can mute uh, for now, but. that changes from quarter to quarter depending on their net earnings or net. So the what what has happened is the Texas farm net asset has decreased the investment value at the balance. The end of March. So you're you're cutting off there. I can't. Uh, I can't hear you very well. No, I don't know if it's on our side, but uh, it's very bad noise. It seems that there's a, 
It, it sounds like it's coming from Mr. Nelson's line. Oh, you know what? Let me mute. Let me mute while I uh, listen to your response. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, much yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay, so uh, so yes, this, so put the loss of Shannon, okay, that loss of the Texas storm, the loss has decreased the uh, the beginning value on the balance sheet of their investment value because it's uh, we take the beginning value on the investment, then we decrease it by any uh, net earning gain or net earning losses. And then, as, then after, the impairment calculation is a totally different, a view of calculating. Uh, so Shannon was not having so much of a room as at December 20th when we did the impairment uh, calculation. But now with this, uh, with this increase in risk premium required in Texas and the increase in discount rate, that has created that the value in use calculated uh, is lower than the uh, carrying value on the balance sheet of that project. So it's a totally separate uh, story than the storm and the impact on the storm on the net earnings. So I don't know if you if you got the difference. So really, what has caused the impairment is the increase in discount rate on the back of higher risk premium. So this is uh, a collateral, I mean, I would qualify the impairment as being a collateral effect of the storm because the risk premium has gone up following the storm, so we needed, that has triggered for accountants to make a reassessment of the impairment calculation on those assets as at Q1, which we typically do uh, around Q3 or Q4. You, but but I, it's precise I, enough. I, I think, Jean-François, what, what he meant is that uh, since we, we got $65 million of revenue and, and uh, loss of uh, on power, 93, that's 28. Our share is 14. Exactly. But, but uh, uh, I, I think that uh, one of the issues with Shannon is that it had, since the beginning, when, when uh, it was owned by Altera, uh, had, had performed really poorly and had that accumulated also a, a deficit in terms of the uh, total account home to uh, City at the time. So if you take that into, into consideration, we, we would have uh, this... Um, well, I guess already uh, in this uh, liability to overcome before the uh, the flip point uh, uh, being occurring. So when you take all this into consideration, uh, I would agree that uh, Shannon uh, is is on, perhaps on a borderline for us to decide if we put more money in or not. Uh, flat top is a diff, you know, it's definitely uh, definitely more difficult. Uh, or easier decision to, to make. Shannon, I would agree that uh, it's on the borderline situation, and depending on on the outcome, Shannon might be a little bit more uh, uh, attractive in terms of potential reinvestment than flat top. Okay, that, that's clear. But but essentially, um, the Shannon net impact was $14 million, and yes. Yes. what you're saying is, uh, what you're saying is, you're kind of borderline in terms of whether to like walk away from that project or not. Yeah. Uh, whereas flat top, it's it's a more definitive uh, decision. Yes. Um, okay. So, so the next question I have um, is about Hawaii. Um, in terms of, like, I just want to ask. Like, you started some. Uh, you've given uh, 
I guess, limited notice to proceed on a few projects. Um, have you locked in all the project costs for, for those projects where you've started construction? I guess, like, with much higher uh, steel prices and all the other commodity prices, copper and everything you've, you've highlighted as well, everything's going up. But I, I'm just wondering how the uh, construction costs for Hawaii is is compared to um, uh, what you kind of modeled in a few years ago when you when you bid the projects, and also uh, what the situation is now in terms of um, locking in uh, pricing. It's a good point. Um, it, it's true that uh, a lot of uh, pressure is on the uh, the raw material and one of you. So that's um, uh, our team is working hard with uh, with local uh, trade, and and we also. Since there's, they're not that big of a project, we um, we have undertaken to to uh, to do some of uh, of uh, our internally some uh, construction management early uh, and, and manage also some supply. Um, so we wouldn't uh, have a, a full uh, EPC type for these smaller uh, project. And also on the island, there's not that many big uh, contractor. Uh, acting on the EPC range, so our team are finalizing these uh, uh, these contractual uh, agreement. We will uh, disclose the up, uh, I would say the um, updated numbers probably uh, in the uh, call of uh, Q uh, Q3 in either in August or or in uh, in November, uh, and and give you a little bit more uh, detail on. Uh, on the future revenue and um, and total cost, but it's true that uh, it's a little bit challenging. I guess everybody is uh, is seeing some uh, uh, some of these uh, pressure on on pricing. Um, but we had secured uh, battery component and also solar panel in uh, previously, so uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, those uh, prices were fixed uh, earlier on. Okay, thanks. And then just one last question. Um, in the MDNA, I, I, know, I know it's been kind of going on for, I, I think the disclosure was there the last quarter as well, but there's been a number of um, like financial covenants that has that have been kind of tripped, and a lot yeah. of debt's been moved to um, uh, as a current liability. Can you just talk about a few of them and give a bit more color in terms of, I think it's like MU Wind, uh, there's like a French project, there's uh, I think mountain, yeah, mountain air as well. Yeah, That's a good, yeah. Can you just kind of run through some of them and say, like, is this something sure. that you'll like you'll have to kind of resolve pretty quickly, or yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just leave it there. I, I will. MU has been on the uh, uh, on, on this for a while because you remember uh, San John went bankrupt and we had to. Uh, uh, to do our, the, the self operation, we had and we 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 are actually now doing our self um, the operation on, on MU. Remember that we are doing self operating uh, all through the Gaspe uh, Peninsula. So for us, it, it was uh, it was a natural, and we hired all the uh, uh, prior employees of San John, and they are they now are part of our team. Uh, the issue we had was to have access to the uh, Software and reinitiate—it's uh, called a, a resetting uh, keys and, and stuff like that—that that were caught into the Sanjian uh, bankruptcy, and we had a hard time uh, having this uh, 
given uh, back to us. Uh, through, but through all kinds of uh, negotiation, we, we also found out that there, there were another supplier that could uh, supply these, uh, these software updates, and we have now an, an agreement with these, uh, these new suppliers. So I, I guess that uh, by next quarter, everything should, uh, should be now in normal. We have a very good relationship with the, the, the existing lenders. It, it was a technical default. But uh, things will be uh, put back in order where Energex will uh, do the self-operating of these assets and will be recognized by banks to, to do so and will finalize the, um, the agreement with this joint venture. Remember that uh, MU is, uh, is a joint venture with the First Nation, uh, the Mi'kmaq from the, the Gaspé Peninsula. So uh, Energex will, uh, will provide the service, uh, O&M service for, uh, for the project. So that should uh, should be uh, finalized by uh, by by the next call. Uh, things should should be uh, back in normal. And as for the Montaner, is a little bit silly. It's uh, it's an insurance uh, commitment uh, regarding flooding out of uh, anywhere in all, in, you know in Idaho. There's not that many <laughs> flooding, but anyway, it was uh, it was over uh, overseen when the uh, insurance policy were put back together. And that had triggered this uh, technical default. It's being uh, now uh, being fixed, and uh, I, I don't expect any uh, any big issue there. And in in France, uh, remember that I I spoke about uh, Vesta's uh, problem with blades in in uh, flat top. Well, we have uh, this uh, blade uh, deficiencies also in uh, in uh, in France. Uh, now Vistas has come up with uh, with uh, repair or enhancement of uh, their blades to make them stronger, and that should also uh, solve the the issue. And as you as you know, we have been uh, curtailed for quite a bit by the health and uh, safety uh, department in France uh, uh, after two blades had uh, had failed. That should also be uh, settled, but that those are not very material. Uh, I think that uh, MU and Montaner uh, will be fixed uh, quickly, and uh, things should be uh, get back to normal on those. Yep. Okay, thanks. Thanks for the color. Um, I'll leave it there and get back in the queue. Thanks. Your next question comes from the line of Mark Jari with CIBC Capital Markets. Hi, Good morning, everyone. Um, Hello. Hi. Oh, 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 yep, can you hear me? Yes, yep. yes. Yep, okay. Well, I'll start with the last comment and just on resolving those, those covenant issues. Is there cash trapped at any of the project levels that will be sort of unencumbered and come back to, to the top of the house once those uh, issues are resolved in the coming quarters? MU uh, might have some uh, that was, uh, that was uh, trapped there. And also through the, um, the Sanjian uh, 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 bankruptcy, uh, they were a 19 million, uh, 19.5, 19.8 million uh, letter of credit uh, issued uh, towards the, in favor of the project to secure some, um, some I would say, uh, uh, obligation under the uh, construction contract and supply agreement uh, from Sanjian. Uh Since uh, Sanjian was not a, able to uh, to do these uh, modification. We actually called on this uh, letter of credit, and now it's uh, it's been sitting in the uh, 
MU account. So it, it, it didn't show in the first quarter, but it, sh it will show in the second quarter. So with all that money on hand, uh, MU has enough money to cover any, uh, uh, I would say, deficiencies that were identified uh, at the um, uh, COD uh, on, on MU. Okay. And then coming back to Shannon, flat top, force majeure, um, sounds increasingly like if it doesn't go your way, flat top, you, you would walk away. What other implications are there in terms of, is there any penalties or anything else beyond just the, the, um, the foregone cash in terms of repercussions from the tax equity or your partners? And then I guess implications that if, you know, walking away from this project and, and the foreclosure, if it, do you think it has any implications on securing tax equity in the future? Well, I think that uh, you know BHE is there and and City. Um, you now we've we've been handling this uh, crisis uh, with consulting with BHE and uh, our other partner BlackRock and uh, Starwood in in the case of Shannon. Uh, we're doing our best. I mean, uh, it was pretty difficult to um, you know to uh, to um, to deal with this crisis, I don't think that any tax equity uh, investors uh, would uh, take us for, um, I would say, give us some repercussion on, on other stuff. We we have negotiating. Uh, we we are negotiating with Wells Fargo as we speak for uh, Griffin Trail and Yellcrest uh, to finalize things, and they are in Phoebe. So, I mean. You know who uh, who can blame us, uh, given the fact that this was an extreme weather uh, event. Tax equity was asking to have these type of uh, power hedge uh, uh, structures, so it's a little bit difficult for them now to tell us that it was not a good idea. Well, I agree, it was not a great idea, but they were the one who uh, who were pushing for it. And in the case of Shannon, actually, we were trying to reduce the uh, power hedge exposure for more than a year, and they were being difficult about it and so forth and so forth, because when Altera had put uh, Shannon in uh, COD, uh, I think they were a little bit optimistic on the long-term forecast. Since then, we had, when we acquired Altera, reduced this long-term forecast and wanted to reduce also the uh, amount of supplied energy under the uh, PowerEdge agreement. And they were the ones who uh, were reluctantly uh, wanted us to reduce that exposure. So all in all, I don't think they can uh, put this uh, on us in, in the sense that uh, uh, if it doesn't make any sense for us to put more money in, into it, we've done what we had to do. Uh, we're acting as uh, uh, you know a good operator on sites. We we've been negotiating and operating these sites as uh, as the best as we can do. Now putting uh, putting more capital in, in a structure that is uh, a loser a loser proposal for us that doesn't make much sense. So I don't think anybody can uh, keep us. Uh, 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 accountable. Yeah. accountable for that. So you don't foresee this if, as you go to get more tax equity for other U.S. projects. This issue, you know, limiting your ability or, or you know, changing who who you could partner with based on this previous history. You, you think people will look through this and it'll be quite easy to find the tax equity you need going forward. 
Well, like I said, we uh, we are now with Wells Fargo uh, finalizing the uh, uh, the tax equity uh, uh, commitment for uh, for Hailcrest, and we're uh, same thing at, in Griffin Trail. Um, like I said, we we're we're honest with everybody. We're open book. We're 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 doing our best to try to solve this issue. We're fighting the fight that we have to fight in court. I don't know what else we can do. Yeah. Okay. And then Griffin Trail Mark is uh, is a good example of a different configuration with the tax equity that 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 make the job. So we're very happy with this. So I think forward there's ways to continue on tax equity and. Uh, I think it's clearly understood by the financial community that this is a one-off, non-recurring event. So I agree with you, Michelle. That and I don't think we're the only one got, <laughs> got, got cut in there. So no. Uh, and Jeff, you provided a few comments around pieces of the puzzle in Texas in terms of what happened in the quarter, what happened post-quarter. If, if you could just fast forward to the end of Q2, maybe just on the consolidated cash balance with Phoebe, which you seem to be able to resolve. And where will your sort of consolidated cash be? Like what, what adjustments do we have to make from quarter end? And then depending on what happens, if you walk away or don't walk away uh, at Flattop and Shannon, how else could that impact the sort of the proportionate or, or sort of cash balance for, for IME? Okay, good. Uh, very good question, Mark. So for PB, I will save my comments because we're into discussion. So uh, PB, as I mentioned, uh, the cash settlement has not happened. So the, the cash payment resides as at uh, end of March within our accounts payable consolidated statements. So depending on the outcome of our discussion uh, in that scenario, uh, we might see uh, kind of, we, we will have the uh, according uh, accounting transaction in that regard. But as for Shannon and Flattop, in a worst case scenario, what you need to understand is for the balance sheet part, you know, the value of those two assets uh, as an equity pickup is zero at the end of March. So no further adjustment on the balance sheet if we foreclose on those two projects. Uh, maybe a slight adjustment we we are carrying at the consolidated level, uh, a cumulative translation adjustment under the AOCI, the accumulated other comprehensive income. So maybe a million or two of adjustment that we would need to finalize on our statement. Maybe uh, some tweaking on our deferred tax in that uh, regard as well. But really, the foreclosure of those two projects, those projects are as a standalone. So the only consolidated impact we can see on the balance sheet for those assets going foreclosed in Q2 would be limited dollar impact for other comprehensive income and maybe deferred tax. Uh, and then uh, following the forecast, let's say that we foreclose uh, 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 1st of June, then the earnings for April and May are ours. So you will see the earnings flowing as share of gain on uh, John Ventures for April and March, and then after no records of additional revenues for the, the remaining of the year. But just you, to make follow me. Yeah, just to make sure, Mark, in, in the case of Flat of Shannon, no financial uh, commitment or cash would be uh, w w w w would be thrown to flat up Shannon. It's exactly. you know there's no recourse to uh, to interject on that basis. So in the worst case, uh, 
we we just hand out the, uh, the 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 keys over there, and the, there's no cash that uh, Energix would have to uh, send to Flattop or Shannon. Exactly, and the accounts okay. payable okay. reside at their project level. So if they foreclose, they become the edge counterpart uh, uh, ownership. Then it's become an interco AP and interco AR. So they settle on their own, but on a consolidated basis. Even for the uh, even for the uh, legal fees. Uh, legal fees uh, have been agreed in front of the judge that uh, those are for the flat up and Shannon account, and uh, the legal fees are paid out the uh, flat up and Shannon accounts. Yep. Okay. And then um, there was again some higher prices uh, at parts of Q2. Um, is that a, a net benefit, or any again any hedge issues there in terms of what's going on with some of those higher prices? Um, and uh, I'll leave it there, and hopefully we won't be talking about that next quarter. Uh, Mark, you're referring that the comments we made under the MDNA of higher pricing in Texas, this is comparing Q1 versus Q1 a year ago. Uh, so the higher in, in, in parts of April, we also saw some higher prices in Texas. Yeah, yeah, you're, right. No, you're, yeah. you're right. We uh, Ford benefited from it, uh, but uh, Phoebe was uh, was uh, had a little bit of a loss on on uh, those oh, two days. Yeah. Yeah. But not, nothing to to compare with the the other yeah. price. Great. Okay. Thanks for taking all my questions. Okay. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Najib Baboon. Baidun with IA Capital Markets. Hi, good morning. Um, just first off, appreciate all the great details on the uh, Texas situation. But but just looking forward a bit, I'd, I'd like an update on the on the pace of, of organic growth and project development. Um, but Michelle, you provided good details on the Palomino project. Can you just talk about some of the other advanced US solar projects that you have in the pipeline? Um, and then maybe uh, some more color on development activities in France, uh, particularly now with the added focus on solar. Yeah. Well, in in France, if I start with France, we we have secured now enough land for a 60 megawatt solar. But but mind you that it's a little bit early. We have to go through all the permitting and all that stuff. But the the, the team on on the ground did very well there. So I think we have a. Um, an approach that can generate uh, a few more solar projects in the near future in that same area. I, I won't go too much in the details, just giving you a little bit of a of a updates of, of what we're we're doing over there. And, and again, in in solar, I um, I don't want to name these these type of projects just yet. Uh, but uh, Palomino is a 200 megawatt project, and we have a few more. Uh, ranging from 75 to 150 megawatts spread between uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Kentucky, uh, and the Northwest. Uh, the idea is um, is to get to around the 600 megawatts, like we said, by 2023, 2024-ish, uh, to deploy the uh, solar panel that we had uh, previously bought, if you remember, that are guaranteeing us the um, the uh, full amount of uh, the ITC, the 30% ITC uh, uh, commitment. So these are that 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 is the strategy. The other win, I I, I rather not to disclose uh, too much about it just yet, uh, but uh, we're we're making some good um, uh, heads win uh, on <laughs> not to make a, a joke in in, in the win, but uh, we're we're making a good uh, advancement on on some of those uh, wind development as well. 
and I mentioned also uh, Chile, where uh, price uh, power prices are. Uh, if you look at the uh, latest uh, few months, have improved, and also uh, the shutting shutting down of uh, coal has accelerated. And she just announced that they are shutting down some more uh, some more coal facility in Chile. So I I think that we we are um, well positioned. And the good news, I think it's uh, it's Quebec uh, potential uh, RFPs. Also, one thing that the, the um, uh, minister in Hydro Quebec has made uh, uh, public is the fact that they are open to an extension of at least 10 years on our existing facility. And since we are the first one to uh, have put uh, wind project in uh, in the Gaspé Peninsula. Uh, our projects are going to be um, qualifying for this uh, extension. And uh, remember that we have uh, roughly 600 megawatt in the Gaspé Peninsula. So this is very good news for us. It would, uh, it would um, uh, create uh, a, um, I would say, a positive uh, uh, scenario where we can uh, think about extending this, uh, this project for another 10 years with, uh, we hope, an attractive pricing. Got it. And, and just to follow up on the last point, so the, the extensions that would be with, uh, I suppose, minimal uh, new investments required? No, no. It's just a, just a guarantee that uh, we, well, a guarantee or a, 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 a program where we can prove that under a uh, prudent uh, maintenance capex, these uh, facility can sustain another 10 years. Mind you that we, we have over overtaken the self-operation in Gaspé Peninsula really uh, early on, and our team has done a great job in uh, managing these uh, preemptive uh, uh, capex, and we've shown that the uh, availability of these machines, we've been really proactive in catching uh, early uh, defect on generator bearings, uh, all kinds of, uh, of uh, I would say, initiative from our team has made these machines uh, available, and we think uh, the majority of them can, uh, can extend their life for another 10 years. We've been very, very um, aggressive in uh, maintaining the, the blades. We have uh, been uh, innovating, creating a lot of innovation in crack detection in blades and being proactive in repairing these little cracks, a little bit like your um, your windshield on the, on a car. If you have a little uh, scratch, you can go and have them repair uh, quite effectively and and very cheaply versus waiting and seeing that crack. Uh, going and then uh, suddenly you have to change your windshield. Well, we've been uh, in the forefront of innovation by having these very, very powerful camera to uh, take a look at the, the, the blades and have a software detecting these little cracks and having a, a very, uh, again, innovative uh, way to repair it from, uh, from the top of the blades and having an SL going down and having all kinds of compounds that can be uh, use even when it's cold uh, in Gaspé Peninsula to repair these blades. So we're very confident that uh, uh, these 600 megawatt uh, G machine can be extended uh, for another 10 years without uh, major capex. Appreciate the great detail. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thanks. And your last question comes from the line of Rupert Mayer with National Bank. 
Thank you. Just a couple uh, quick questions. I know we're getting long in this call. A follow-up on, on the Quebec market. You're talking about recontracting the, the gas bay projects. What's the opportunity for repowering those projects at the end of, of those contracts? Well, have Is that the an opportunity, opportunity that we'll, you will have? Yes. Yeah. Uh, there will be. Um, we're working on it, right? I mean, it's... Uh, the early uh, the early stage discussion with uh, with, with the government in Hydro Quebec they are putting that uh, RFP together but theoretically uh, they would be open up to have an extension of ten years and having us also bid for a a repowering uh, scenario to extend uh, the uh, life of these assets by another twenty or twenty five years so all in all it could be an extension of ten years plus twenty or twenty five years of uh, new contract. So for us, it's a great opportunity uh, to enhance these uh, these uh, these existing uh, facility and make sure that uh, they're they're in the portfolio for a very long term. Great, thanks. And, and then on uh, Griffin Trail, I think you show it still as as um, uncontracted. Just remind us what's the the long term plan there? Are you still evaluating potential uh, offtakes on Griffin Trail? Well, the perfect scenario would be something close to uh, to what we have uh, in Fort City. Remember that Fort City has 300 megawatt under PPA as produced PPA, and 50 megawatt being merchant. Uh, so, hoping to you know, hopefully in the next uh, little uh, little while, I, I I think that the crisis now in Texas has uh, mixed up a little bit of the offer and demand. Um, and uh, there will be some uh, a lot of activities in Texas regarding these uh, potential uh, uh, restructuring into you know you have a lot of uh, power hedges that will be uh, looking for potential PPA. So I don't think the next six months or so will be a a, a good opportunity to uh, renegotiate PPA. Um, but on the other end, uh, maybe uh, a lot of utility and potential also some customer. Uh, might have been burned on that crisis. So who knows, uh, uh, Rupert, but this is the, the long-term game uh, with Griffin Trail would be to reduce a little bit the exposure on uh, on merchant. Extent, uh, on merchant. But until we, we finalize with Phoebe, uh, Phoebe uh, still has this power head, so we'd love to, to be able to have a different structure or reduce this exposure on that power edge. But until we do, uh, we think that uh, Griffin Trail is uh, is a natural hedge in in that area, being 225 megawatt fully merchant. So uh, you know, uh, on the long run, we would rather see uh, less merchant exposure. But for the time being, we're perfectly happy to have Griffin Trail fully merchant. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Ms. Fishon, there are no further questions at this time. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, and we'll uh, reconvene in August. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you may now disconnect your lines. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.